Welcome to the Tej Talks podcast. Forget the property celebrities. We speak to relatable people with fascinating journeys, just like you. Hosted by Tej Singh, we bring you new stories, life-changing deals, and expert advice every week. Greetings, everybody. On today's show, we are speaking to Charlene from Rua Rentals. You need to check out her Instagram. Pictures are amazing. The designs are fantastic. And I think in order to really appreciate what we're about to talk about, it's good for you to to visualise and see what we mean. Because all of her properties have sold, um, apart from the first one, I think, within a week. Um, One of them, someone walked in off the street and said, yeah, we'll buy it. It then got revalued a lot higher, like 40 grand more. And then she went back to the buyer and said, really sorry, but this is actually the market value now. Buyer said, yep, cool. Um, I want to buy it, please. Uh, So I think today's episode is important when you're you're flipping properties and I guess when you're renting on how to maximise and increase a revaluation or a sale and not necessarily having to spend too much, but focusing on design. Uh, And again, when you look at her Instagram, you will see why. If you haven't left a review for the podcast, please do. Uh, I'm also a co-host of PPN Knightsbridge, so come along. It's the second Tuesday of every month. If you want to say hi to me, you want to meet wonderful co-host Pippa, who's been running it for the past 18 months, or you just want to pick my brains, this is the best place to do it. Otherwise, I don't leave my house. He See you soon. Bye. Charlene, welcome to the Tej Talks podcast. Uh, thank you for having me. Thank you for reaching out. You know, I think... I feel like I've been following you for a while, um, but then only recently did I actually like pay a bit more attention. This sounds really bad now. Um, <laughs> and and um, you know when you kind of reached out and I read some of the captions that you had on Instagram and some of the pictures, and I thought, whoa, this sounds like me. These pictures look like what I want to be doing, and I hopefully have sort of done. This is you know this is definitely someone to to get on the podcast. I think actually. Normally people send me an email, right? Like I and I said to you, send me an email, six bullet points, you know, what's your story? But then you just you said a few things on Instagram and I was like, Whoa, hold on. <laughs> Let me you know what, forget the email, who's got time for that? Let me just get you straight on. So um, you know, before you got into property, what were you doing? Uh, so in my previous property life, I was a web developer and I got promoted into technical architect. So I've always been uh, really interested in web design brand. And I worked for a big agency in Manchester. Um, I worked in Belfast originally and then I worked in Manchester. So I've always been really interested in how things look, how to appeal to people. Although I wasn't working in marketing specifically, um, I was um, in charge of like uh, UI and um, the experience that people have and the kind of effect that um, what they see will make them buy stuff. So um, it's always been an interest of mine and marketing's always been an interest of mine and how things look. And then also like the the website and the kind of technology side. So doing Instagram kind of keeps that um, interest going for me that I would, would no longer have now that I'm in property. So yeah, that's why I kind of, blog my little heart out but um yeah I love all that stuff so what was the kind of moment or series of events that then led you away from that to say right I'm I'm doing property now so um I feel like my story is like loads of women that I meet in these property um events I 
bought my first property when I was 24. I was in Belfast living in like a co-living um, house. Didn't really want to keep paying high rents um, for somebody else's mortgage. So I looked to purchase my own property that I could do the same. So I bought the house and rented out the rooms and that kind of supplemented the mortgage and then allowed me to, you know, do some works to the house. Um, that continued on and then I remortgaged that house to buy a second property and um, it was it was in a better area. So I wanted to do that. So that was kind of before I was 30, I purchased my second property. And unfortunately, though, that's when the market kind of went bump. Um, so I found myself in a position where I owed a lot of money on houses that weren't worth that money. Um, so I was inventive and kind of renting out rooms to local university language students where the most kind of profitable. Um, and I kind of worked my way down and or like kind of on the loan to value of those properties to kind of get myself back into like a safer place with the amount that I owed in those. Um, and to be honest, that was stressful. And I was offered the opportunity to for a job promotion in Manchester. So I kind of thought, you know what, I just kind of need a break from being so sensible and um, packed my little Fiat 500, put, put, put the two houses up for rent um, to families and off I trotted and lived in, you know, various kind of HMOs type things for a few years. Uh, no, just for about a year. Met my now husband. Um, Trot it off to the deals with him, or sorry, not the deals, Yorkshire. And uh, yeah, we quickly had our first child. And and then I thought, you know what? I don't really want to leave this little boy, you know, from early hours in the morning to, you know, late at night. And kind of thought um, if there was another possibility of ways of earning an income. So our handyman at the time, he... Um, did a lot of work for us and I kind of seen him as an opportunity to um, maybe if we looked for our first renovation that he could help us um, bring that round. So yeah, we looked for something really on right move that was cheap, that was within about a 20 mile radius. So we bought this absolutely knackered terrace house that nobody wanted. It was absolutely horrendous. It was the worst, so many DIY botched jobs. It was unbelievable. And um, I set about um, helping our builder at the time renovate that. So, yeah, that was my first step into like property development. Wow. So, and, and so just for the listeners, where do you currently live? So, I live in a town called Sarby Bridge, um, which is in Yorkshire, West Yorkshire. Um, it's about 25 minutes. Well, it's about 40 minutes probably from Manchester, really. Um, it depends on a good day. It's about 30 minutes in the middle between Manchester and Leeds. So uh, you, you kind of go past it in the tree and really. Okay. And so so you kind of made this transition, but did you, so obviously you had, you know, the experience with the HMOs before. So, you, you know, you kind of knew what you were doing, but did you, I don't know, read any books, listen to any, put, how did you kind of go, right, okay, I'm just, I'm going to make this property thing work now? <laughs> so um, my first house, I didn't, we didn't really think, oh, I'll give up my job to do this. Um, it was a joint venture with um, my husband's uh, siblings. They had a, 
a rental portfolio in Northern Ireland and they were able to release equity from that to fund the first property or the first project. And yeah, we just kind of, um, we just set about kind of renovating that and looking at, you know, whenever we went to sell it, we, we learned a lot and kind of was like, oh God, we made a few mistakes. But um I just have always had an interest in old knackered houses and I've always looked at them and thought this is the way they could look. I don't really like, you know, people say, how do you visualize that? I just don't see what they don't visualize. I just, I'm just like, but it's going to be beautiful. And um, yeah, that's basically, it's always like, I've always watched Homes Under the Hammer, like so many other people. And I never, you know, you'd never really think that'll become your life. But yeah, I've always had an interest in DIY. And when I bought my first property, like my birthday wish list was vouchers for B&Q and things like that. So it was, you know, I've always been interested in how you can fix something and, and make it better. So, yeah, that has just been, it's just the way I am. Mm, very similar to me. That's that's exactly what I'm like. Like I, I go into a house and I say, hmm, this vinyl would look really good here. Hmm, what about a feature wall here? My builders are like, Ted, just paint it white and grey. And I'm like, no, no, no. No, I will send you a spec. Don't worry. I'm I'm not letting this be uh, like magnolia yeah. and boring. So, yeah, no uh you then so then okay, so when you sort of are making this transition into right, we're doing property, we're doing it properly. Like did you set any goals whether they were financial or su- like success based or anything like that or did you just say uh, we'll just buy a few houses and then take it from there? Yeah, because I I feel like at the start the first house um, that we bought was about 20 miles away from our house. And, you know, it was based on the price that it was um, rather than anything else. But I find it so stressful um, driving up and down to that um, location with my little boy. He was like six months at the time. I spent many a day sitting in a page trying to breastfeed him and clean his nappy. And by the time I got there, I was so flabbergasted that I was like, oh, um, and I found the whole thing quite stressful. So I kind of thought, you know what, um, we were looking at it as, you know, I kind of thought I'll do it for a year and then I'll go back to IT. Um, but whenever I was looking at it, I said to my husband, like, you know, if we're going to do this, it has to be on the doorstep. It has to work with me and Freddie being able to get to the houses without me being so stressed by the time I get there. So, yeah, I started looking in my local market and going, right, where, what opportunities are here and, um, you know, how can I build up relations? You know, even even silly things like how can I build up relations with like the local kitchen supplier that they know me and take me seriously and give me a trade account without a big history. Um, so, yeah, that that was my kind of like agenda. But it was only short term. I was thinking, you know, what, I'll be back at work in about 12 months. So in the in the short term, I'm just going to look for what's nearby and make life easy for myself. Interesting, because I think a lot of a lot of people and I guess what we're taught now is you know when you're at the stage that you're at set goals one year two year three month whatever they are for all right I need x many properties x amount of income um you know at that time were you you know like I made like you just said were you planning on going back to work yeah I was because I loved my old job um I I didn't want to leave my little boy so I was I really struggled with it like I had many's a call with my ex-boss kind of like I'm coming back oh no I'm not coming back I'm coming back no I'm not coming back 
So, yeah, I did struggle with it. And, you know, you don't really think that you could probably make a career. Well, I didn't think I could probably make a career out of property. Um, so in the initial stages, I just thought, you know, I'm on maternity leave. I'm going to make this work for a while. You know, we were in the financial position that I didn't need to return to that job, you know, in the short term. So I just thought we'll just take one step at a time. So we did. That's how I approached it. Mm, okay and then that first house um in 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 yorkshire in your area um did you did you buy that with your own own savings and cash so that was it was a property actually in haworth which is like a you know a touristy kind of town um and no we purchased it with um uh, my husband's siblings they have a, a business a property business that they released um like um they cre- created a business loan that was allow us to buy that first property um but then whenever on the second property which became then um mine and my husband's um we had raised a pot of cash ourselves that we were able to um finance that with interesting so the first deal you bought you didn't use your own money on no no, it was, um, it was, uh, well, you know, at the, ter- the time I didn't even know the word joint venture, but yeah, it turns out, it turns out I did a JV in my first uh, property, but yeah, I didn't even know. Yeah, it was just like, you know, how can we raise some money together and see if this can work? So yeah, that's what we did. And I know they were family, but yeah. you know, d- did they trust you based off family or did you have to kind of prove to them something? Um, no, not really. <laughs> also, um, I suppose we, you know, the the reality was it was a it was um a house that was knackered. We got our builder to come down and look at it with us and kind of estimate the renovation costs. And looking at the value of the other houses on the street, it looked like you know we could make some money on it. And it was like we knew our builder. We weren't, you know, I wasn't in a position where I had to go and source builders and um, plumbers and all that kind of thing. So, yeah, we took advantage of the fact that he had that knowledge and that gave us a security blanket that, you know, this will probably be fine. So, uh, so the, the power of your network, whether it's family or friends, just proved it's worth there because, yeah. you know, finding good builders or good, you know, people to do work like that is, yeah. it's a pain, isn't it? Yes, um, I know. And actually, a question I don't often ask people is, how did you find a good, and it may not have been good, a good solicitor for this transaction? Um, Well, for that transaction, I can't even remember the solicitor we used. It was our first one, and I think we probably just went with whoever the estate agent um, recommended. And I have since gone through about two or three solicitors, um, but now I have an amazing solicitor who pulls out the stops for me because we build up a history and I think that's like the key thing now that I'm four years in I do go with the same people if I um trust and like them and I don't shop or you know people like oh you have to shop around for quotes um well I don't do that if I believe that they're giving me a fair price and that they've done a good job and I feel like they've put the groundwork in and my solicitor like last week we were lucky enough well I hate saying lucky because it's you know, it was a misfortune of someone else, but we acquired a, a repossession and we'd literally 14 days to complete on that. And um, he pulled out all the stops. We had it in about eight days. And that was, big. yeah, we had, we, he, you know, he was like, Charlene, you know, we've worked with you now for two years. Do you want the house? I was like, yeah. He's like, I'll get you the house. And um, 
you know that that was it and you know that's that's what you pay for and that's that solicitor was recommended to me a number of times but you know you think oh well I'm going with this one and they're only like 500 pound a month or, or 500 pound or whatever they were at the time um and he was slightly dearer but he's been oh, oh he's been amazing and he does so much for us that you know he's worth the, the little bit extra and yeah I love it mm, no definitely I've done a 14 day completion just recently and it, it it cost more uh but it was done in yeah like 12 days or something and I, I didn't really have to do much and the, the solicitor yeah. replied to me at like 10 p.m and i was like whoa yeah what is happening here this is strange <laughs> i mean to get a reply in the first place but at 10 p.m um so property in four years wow okay we have we have a lot of experience here to to kind of get some insight from so you you had the first one then the second one and you know as you were buying these houses what was your like strategy were you going to rent them were you going to flip them were you going to hmo what were you thinking at the time um, well, I supposedly this the second property for us was a bit of the game changer for us. Uh, it was that was the kind of start of my strategy in commas or verdict quotes. Um, I I set about kind of going right. I need to know my local market. I'm not going to trip trips up and down to viewings here, there, and everywhere with a six seven month old baby and it was just it just didn't work for me so yeah I kind of was in and out of the estate agents all the time hello me again hello me again and um yeah we found this property that I absolutely loved it was like a double Georgian like double fronted Georgian style house and um it was so gorgeous. It was just like, well, it wasn't at the time. I had mice everywhere and all that kind of nonsense. But I mean to me it was just so beautiful. And we don't have houses really like that in Northern Ireland. So for me, they just stop my heart every time. I just think, wow. Um, so, yeah, I really wanted that house. My builder thought I was nuts. Every, everyone who was involved with us and, you know, was like, oh, Charlene's going to start property. It was like, thought I was nuts. Um, but anyway, I just kept wanting it. But the house went for uh, much more than we were able to purchase it for. Um, so anyway, I was just like, oh, well. And then, But I, I proceeded in kind of making friends with the estate agents and putting my face in front of them all the time. Um, and then on Friday, we got a call saying, do you know that house that you really love? And I was like, yeah. And they were like, do you still want to buy it? This is like three or four months down the line. And I was like, yeah, like totally. And they're like, well, what's your best offer? And they were looking somewhere like in the region of about 100. And I said, oh, 70. Um, because I kind of thought somebody's ringing me on a Friday. And with desperation, it sounds like they want rid. And uh, they said, oh, the last buyer's been, you know, been really slow, can't produce the goods really. And I was like, oh, well, I'll, you know, what about 70? And I rang my husband and he was like, oh, Charlene, as if they're going to sell it for that. And then she rang back and said, can you go up anymore? And I said, well, 75. And uh, she ran me back and she goes, yeah, you can have it. And I was like, what? Uh, and uh, so we had to produce our kind of proof of funds and all that nonsense and um, ID. And yeah, we um, secured our second property, which was in the area and which was much larger than um, we had kind of anticipated. You know, there were structural issues with it. Um, there was like damp roof issues, all sorts of issues that just kept appearing. Um, but it was like the project of a lifetime, really. Um we went, you know, it was a kind of one of those ones that you do see in the TV where you pull off 
plywood and there's original fireplaces everywhere there's just arches everywhere it was so stunning it was unreal um you know I it took us about six months I think to renovate really because it was so big like we had to convert the cellar we converted the cellar we tanked the cellar um, it was like the full footprint of the house um, we another thing that will never probably happen again the garden to the side of it was never owned by anyone but our solicitor pointed out that we could acquire it into the deeds because the lady who had previously lived there um, had been using it so we were able to like bring that on um, into the title um, I know which you know when's that ever happened and uh, yeah we we like put our heart and soul into it like I've stripped every fireplace in it um, I got pregnant with my second child so I spent a lot of times just sitting on my bum like painting things because I couldn't move and yeah it was great like um, we it was like the homes under the hammer story um, passerbys always went past it came in checked it said they really wanted to buy it could they have first dibs on it before we sold it or put it up for market and we were asked how much did we think it would be worth and we said probably in the region of about 160 and um we got it valued and the state agent valued it at 220 i know and uh, we were like oh my goodness are you actually kidding us and then it felt really bad because i said to the buyers look you know, I'm really sorry we kind of misled you. Um, and to be honest, like, you know, the amount of money we spent, you know, was closer to the first asking price anyway. So, you know, we were kind of thinking, oh, we've made money, thank goodness, because this has been a money pit. But then, um, yeah, we went to those buyers and we said, look, you know, the reality is it's worth now like 220, 225. And they said, yeah, we'll buy it. And they bought it. And it was like, what? So... <laughs> So that was that. We didn't even have to go to market with that one. I don't even have any pictures of it on Instagram because, well, it was before my. I did too much on Instagram, and which I really regret because it was so stunning. But yeah, that house was just a you know a developer's dream, really. So and why? So why did you want to sell? I mean, look, there's obviously good profit in there, so it's it's obvious yeah. in that sense. But why did you want to sell it as opposed to refinancing it, leaving no money in, renting it out, and then going again? Well, for me, it was like a really, it was, you know, it was a really kind of stunning uh, house in the end. And I kind of thought if you rented it out, how much rental would you get? And to be honest, at that stage, we didn't really know of this whole kind of like leave money in, refinance it. You know, that's, that's something that, you know, sounds silly, but I've only really came across that, um, you know, those ideas as last 12 months so that's why we've changed we just kind of thought you know sell it get the money out and then go to your next one you know like kind of live off a bit of the profit buy your next one um so that's that was our kind of approach at the start and that's why we kind of continued flipping until we kind of did a bit more homework about you know property developing and uh it was like oh there's this whole other way of doing it um so yeah that's that's why we sold it we just kind of thought you know that's that's all you could really do and um, so um yeah hmm. okay and i mean that's pretty that's pretty incredible that someone just walked past and said you know oh yeah we'll buy it and then when you added i don't know i know 50 grand 60 they're like yeah yeah cool we'll still want it like um 
Well, I think it shows it showed that um, you know I probably shouldn't admit this, but it shows showed a demonstrated our naivety because they were obviously looking around. They said that at the time they'd been looking around for house after house, and they'd been looking in the area for about six months where we hadn't. We had been you know our heads down trying to fix this place, um, and it was it was so unique you know what it offered that they knew probably that. They thought they were going to get the bargain of the life of their lifetime, you know, like a hundred and sixty, hundred and seventy thousand pounds. That's probably why they were so keen. So probably whenever, probably when we came back with the real price, they were like, "Yeah, that's right." Now they've actually got a valuation. They know what they're talking about. Whereas, you know, that just shows at that at that time, you know, I wasn't that, you know, you know, I didn't really know too much. I kind of just went with my heart more than anything and knew there was profit in it. But it was such a unique house. It was hard to tell. And, you know, estate agents won't always tell you how much something's going to be worth because they don't know what you're going to do to the house. And we went, you know, me and my husband, every time we like see a house, although he's he's not hugely active in what I do now, but we try to maximize every square foot of the house. You know, if there's a seller, we tank it and you know, make it something, you know, where you can store stuff. If there's, you know, if there's any part of the house that can be used, we try and use it so that somebody's not, somebody doesn't come in and go, hmm, I would do this. It's all been done. And then they pay, you know, the higher price for it. So that's our kind of, you know, tip really. Mm, and I think maybe, and correct me if I'm wrong, it also shows that the area is is ripe for someone like you to come in and disrupt and innovate, right? It's full of magnolia. Yeah, Basically. it's um, yeah. I feel like you know, because people play it safe, don't they? And you know, I I do feel as well. Like obviously, I see so much on Instagram. You're like, wow, I'd love to do a design like that. But if I pushed it too far, that probably wouldn't appeal. And I feel like you know, a lot of my designs as well are still edging on safe. Um, but yeah, they you know. My houses, when they go on right move, people know what they are. They know who they are. I don't, you know, they know. And and literally, every I've done fourteen flips now, and uh, coming up to four years, and they've all sold within a week. You know, the last one sold in twelve hours. And people pe- people want a nice house. They just want something that looks like something they see in uh, like. Ikea or um you know like those little show houses like people love those little things you know like my target market's first-time buyers and you know that is what they love they love a bit of color they love some tiles they love you know light fittings and you know that's what you know that's what they want so that's what usually that well for me at the minute that's what's working yeah and we're definitely going to touch on your renovation tips Um, because I know you do share some on your Instagram as well. So we're definitely going to talk about that. But before we get to that, so am I right in saying that you flip everything and you don't hold any houses? Well, we did until um, the summer of this year. So we kind of just thought, you know, basically it was to give me a wage and, um, you know, just buy, sell, buy, sell, um, you know, keep some of the profit and then tip it back into the next one. But I'll be honest, you know, the the sales process can be stressful. Um, not the actual selling the house. That's amazing. I love running around and making it all beautiful and getting the, getting the offer in. And it's not the, and you know, the solicitor sings fine, but, you know, sometimes it can really drag on. Somebody, you know, they'll all go, I'll have it complete in six weeks. And they don't, you know, they can't be bothered replying to the email. It can go on seven or eight weeks. You know, you could be looking at three months and um, sometimes 
you know, that really causes issues with your cash flow. Um, if you're waiting on a house to come back in and, you know, you've got bills going back out and you're thinking, oh, when is it going to get, you know, complete it? Um, you know, it does cause anxious, you know, like sleepless nights. And, you know, they can, it's only happened to us once where someone has pulled out on the week of the sale, um, you know, I think really due to ill advice um, from their solicitor. But anyway, uh, that can really drag the, you know, the whole process on and it does cause stress because, you know, it causes issues with cash flow. And we have been listening to more and more podcasts and it was like, you know, God, we can actually keep these houses, rent them out and um, have monthly income. So, yeah, from the start of summer, we've stopped selling now and we're going just to rentals. So we're holding them now. Hmm. Okay. I mean, that, that that makes sense, right? I guess it's like with any business model, if you have lots of big sales that take a bit longer, it's always going to have like an up and down with your cash flow. Yeah. Whereas yeah. lots of little products coming in every month makes sense. So you... So you, you're you're flipping to first time buyers, so you know a normal house, and then you're doing buy to lets now. A lot of people go for HMOs because of the cash flow, because of the you know some some people because of the designs you can do with them, but mostly probably the cash flow. What? Why haven't you gone into HMOs? Um, well, for me in my local area, there isn't the huge demand for HMOs here as far as I can see um, I could be wrong but you know when you kind of do your spare room um, research there isn't you know there isn't a huge market for it there isn't a neighbour in town which is what we're exploring into now and we are in the process of purchasing our first HMO there and um, well the first conversion into HMO but um, yeah, I've, I've just been like you know this has to work around my family what way can we make it work for us and Whenever you sit and crunch the figures and sound like all those like really expert people, there's there is like a good revenue in just you know still buying houses that are you know below market value, renovating them to a high standard, and then um, you know getting them refinanced and renting them out to you know at a at a good price. Um, we did kind of look at buying houses around here just to rent out, but there were you know, they're, you're still paying a lot of money for something that I would want to do work to. Like, I just thought I wouldn't live in this house myself. So why would I rent it out like this? And, you know, whenever you start looking at, you know, well, I'd want those walls re-skimmed and I'd want that kitchen. I'd rather just buy a house that's kind of knackered um, and do it up and then rent it out really lovely. And I get loads of, oh my God, why are you doing so much to your rental? It's just a rental. It's just a rental. That's all I hear. It's like, well, I get a better tenant, I get a better monthly income and I get a better revaluation from the bank. So for me, it's a formula that's working for us at the moment. So I'm happy enough to kind of keep my own views on it and just proceed with our own kind of way of working. Hmm. Okay, that makes sense. And I think it's important that, you know, people do that due diligence and that research because, you know, it's easy to get i don't know sort of uh, get excited by hmos but the area you've chosen may not work but like yeah. you've done you just look look somewhere else could be down the road yeah exactly like down the road from us is a hospital there's a university um and you know it looks on paper like it's got the potential for hmos it doesn't really offer a lot of what you do, you know those kind of higher end hmos so that's what i'm hoping to kind of 
um, launch now, um, you know, probably December, January, and kind of tap into that. But, you know, it's untested ground and it is a bit worrying. You're thinking, you know, I'm sinking more money into this than, you know, we are for the number of, you know, small uh, single buy to lets around here. But um, I suppose whenever you're kind of ambitious, you kind of want to, you know, dip your toe in something else and see how we go. So I think, you know, re- you know that's probably the next step for us anyway. Okay. And, you know, a question I get asked a lot about, especially when people are new in property is when you're, you know, on a viewing, when you're doing the numbers, how do you accurately um, assess or decide what the refurbishment is going to cost you? Um, well, because, you know, I do try to make life easy for myself. Um, we literally um, buy on every street round here. So I literally know the, you know, the the possible resale value, you can look on right move and it'll say, you know, typically a house sells in that street for like resales again for like 95,000 or 100,000. But I know my house will be brand new and, you know, is a better offer and that's probably what's been sold there. So I know that it'll go for like, you know, five or 10,000 pounds more than that. Um, and the with regards to price, like, you know, it's that thing, you try to get an estimate from builders, but they won't give you it because they don't know until they start pulling down the walls what's behind them. Um, I've done that many now, and I have zero, that I have a rough estimate between, you know, I know in the size of a house, roughly how much it's going to cost. I don't, you know, I don't get builders to come with me, you know, to look at another terrace house and another terrace house. I know myself how much it's going to be um, there, thereabouts, and uh like essentially I put in an offer if they accept it you know sometimes I'll go a bit more if they accept it if they don't I'm just like well good luck to the next person for me it's not you know it's not for me then and that's it Mm. basically okay and you know you said that your houses sell very quickly and that they sell for above the kind of current ceiling price yeah. Um, let, let's talk about how you're achieving that. So I think we've we've understood so far that you're in a good place to do it because you're in a place where the market, other investors maybe or other houses are a bit bland, a bit crap. Um, they're not the kind of swag that you have in yours. So I guess it's kind of there's a lesson there for people is if you can maybe try and pick a market that's a bit away from all the hype and investors maybe in in an area that is uh, rife for improvement but you personally what kind of things or tips you know do you do or can you give to people that will allow them to you know break the ceiling price um well for me like everybody's been a first-time buyer um everybody's been that time where you want to buy a house you know you're for me my you know like my target market is you know um late 20s, early 30s, they, I'm not joking, generally my buyers turn up in a Fiat 500 or a Mini, they have, they are drinking Costa coffee, I, when I worked in IT, we had to kind of design our websites around personas, and I take that same philosophy, um, or same like kind of way of thinking to my houses um, if I buy a bigger house I'm thinking you know this is a mommy she wants deep drawers in the kitchen like for her saucepans you know she kind of wants you know the shaker style kitchen and you know th- those kind of looks at you know you can tell that you know an older 
person to look for. Um, so I kind of think, right, well, if this is like really entry level house, you know, what does somebody in their late 20s, 30s like? They usually like a lot of the kind of styles that are in Ikea, um, you know, those kind of colours. I do go for kind of what's on trend, you know, I'll always add colour to the bathroom and the kitchen. I always feel like there's no furniture in those rooms. So they're not thinking, oh gosh, will my sofa match in here? Uh, you can kind of go with it a bit. And if they don't like it, they'll paint over it. Like, you know, I did do a navy feature wall in one house and I was talking to the people after it and they said they, they, they painted it over my wall. They painted it grey. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> um but you know they always like I always kind of get a color palette you know Faro and Ball are amazing at you know they do color schemes you can pick a dark color and a light color and you know I'm not an interior designer but you can quickly find colors that match together and you know kind of have that blend through the house so um yeah I'm just all about the kitchens and bathrooms really and and keeping the rest very neutral but, you know, I don't buy the cheapest rent, rental carpet. I don't buy um, the cheapest lino or anything like that. Like, I, I usually go for a tile. Um, I, you know, there's always plenty on offer that you can find. You know, a lot of the houses I do are small houses. So they're kind of like you're not buying ma- many square meter each for floors anyway. So, you know, cost-wise, um, you know, they're very comparable. And people will always say, oh, that's a lovely tile floor. Like, just they it's always their first thing and they always love a light they always love a light fitting it's just like it sells the house every time it's like a 40 pound light fitting from somewhere and they're like oh i love the light i'll buy the house and it's, <laughs> it's, it's mental i think you know what those are the little things that i think a majority of maybe like old school investors don't look at because it's like you know why would I spend forty quid on on a, on a light fitting that could be a one pound fifty pendant? Yeah, but I guess you know you understand the persona because I'm the kind of person who'd be like, oh my god, I love that that tap. I'll yeah. I'll have the house, please. Like, exactly. um, so I know that like there's a potential target market for it, and I think what you're doing is actually looking at property development like like a technical architect, like a web developer, like anyone who works in a, a place where you're designing something for a customer. Um is to look at what the customer wants and you know how can how can we make that more tangible so if i'm let's say i'm going to somewhere and i I don't know this area and i i don't necessarily know the market how can i work out what the kind of people there want well i can only go on the experience of my own little town and you can see that young people are moving in they're starting to like have pubs and bars and eateries and you know cafes and i think you know young people they want what's in the magazines they're constantly on instagram they're constantly seeing pictures of what they want they're constantly visualizing things and if you can give them a visual product they quickly buy it and they you know they want to buy into it they want to you know they love the copper pendants and things like that and um yeah they want a part of that kind of that lifestyle and they want you know like literally the house that I've just done up charcoal kitchen and brass handles like I rented yesterday I rented it out it's not even finished yet but it's somebody who follows me on Instagram they want they want a house that looks like that and um they just they just want what's in the magazines and you can achieve that look if you be it like the tap in that house was 18 pounds it's a brass tap but I found it on eBay if you look you can find all these wee kind of nuggets that just kind of set your house apart 
I mean, I now I, I've seen that tap. It is a very nice tap. <laughs> now, I thought, I thought, oh my god, you spent eighty quid on it because I've been trying to find. I know you can get black taps for less than twenty pounds, yeah. but a, a brass tap on eBay, a new one. Yeah, brand new. Yeah, that is yeah. impressive. Yeah. I know, and like you know, you know that that kitchen's from Hyden's. It's a charcoal kitchen. It looks amazing. The brass handles were something like a pound each as well because you know I don't think they want them in our local kitchen supplier. I was like, well, I'll have them. I took out them all, um, and you know. And that one, we haven't finished it yet, but I'll use little subtle um, styles that are in at the minute, you know, like the whole kind of rattan, black black rattan things and, you know, the palm plants and stuff. You know, you pick all those things up from Aldi Little, but it's just um, people love all that stuff. And a few of them just makes people want to get buys into your house and buy into what you're kind of offering them. Mm. And, and with your rentals, would you do it to the same spec as a flip or slightly less? Um, I think this. Uh, I, we're going for the same spec. Um, for me, I just want to rent this house out and never really hear from them again. To be honest, I don't want. I don't want to hear that something's leaking or something's broken or, um, you know, I just want to make sure that it's obviously everything's gas checked, electric checked. You know, that they move in and they love it and they don't want to move out. They're not looking for another house down the road because the other houses down the road are rubbish. And so I just want them to move in and stay. And so that's why I'm going, you know, we're going the same kind of spec. Um, you know, you can get beautiful tiles and discount stores for like 10, 15 pound a square meter. You don't have to, you know... All these things don't have to be expensive. You just, but you don't have to spend hours and hours, days and days looking for this stuff. Kind of like find a few suppliers that you like, and kind of they like people know me in the shops I go around in here. They know what I'm looking for, and they know you're like Charlene. We've got this tile in for you that you love at the minute, and it's like done, and I'm away again. And you know that's it. You know it's it's um, kind of building up your kind of style and being confident enough to go with it. Um, hmm. Okay. And I think, you know, it's important there, like you, you can get some real bargains, like even at sort of high street places, if they're clearing out their old lines or whatnot, like big reductions on, on things that are, are kind of coming down in price. And it's interesting that you're doing the rental to the same standard as a flip, because that's, that's quite unusual. Now, obviously, that is going to cost a bit more. Um, Like, are you hoping to or have you achieved like a higher rental amount because of the quality yeah well if you take the example of the two properties we're doing at the minute we bought um a deceased estate the guy uh, the houses have been sitting for ages they were on the market for like ninety thousand pounds or ninety five thousand pounds but i previously renovated in that street and i knew they were absolutely dreaming if they thought they were going to get that price um because we we sold it you know a fully renovated one for a hundred thousand so I knew you know they were widely out so um we made a offer of them for 67 um, and a half for each and we got those and yeah we've been renovating them they you know they're absolutely knackered our thing is always to buy a knackered house and, and bring it back add the money into it so that even by the time you're finished it's still um worth a lot more than what you've put in so yeah, we um in the finish or in the process of finishing the first one of those two, the second one will be a couple of uh, weeks away, and yeah, I've rented that one out and it will be 
550 per calendar month and there's one down on the same street it's up for 420 and um, 450 and it's literally sat for a I'm not joking, I actually looked at that house last year when I saw the other one and I thought at the time it needed work and they were like, oh no, no, it's fine. It's still sitting there, it's stinking. Why, who would want it? Do you know what I mean? And then, you know, they think, people think that renters are stupid and they're like, oh, someday I'll rent it. And you're like, yeah, well, but they don't want to. It's horrible. Um, so yeah, I just feel like, you know, we've, I, we've proof with showing that you know if you yeah if you have a nice product people will pay more because they know your house is worth they'd rather pay maybe 40 50 pound a month to live in your house than the the rubbish damp one down the corner with the dirty carpet and the kitchen that's fallen apart mm. so. and i think you know you know i don't know what salary is tenants are earning but it, you know that's not a lot more money per month for what you're offering which is a lot more so it's kind of like a no-brainer. I think most people would push a little bit on the finance just to live somewhere as nice and stylish as that you're kind of creating. Um, so all the flips that you've purchased over the past four years, have you used your own money or investors or? So um, yeah, we have. Well, a few, we kind of um, alternate between um, the kind of joint venture partnership we have with Alan and his brother and sister. Um, so we kind of, we used to do more with them, but then obviously as our own pot has grown, we've done more on our own. Um, so yeah, we've kind of like, we do a lot of them now on our own money. And then with the HMO thing, that's obviously to the next level. So we at the moment are looking at bridging um, finance and that's kind of like a whole new ball game for us. But we're hoping that just means that we can do more, um, you know, the, the reality is Instagram has opened up a whole new world of possibilities in, in my head. Um, and we've been going to, you know, property days. We went to fat properties um, a couple of, we went there a couple of weeks ago and, you know, you just think, wow, we could do this. And I literally came away going, right, let's find out about bridging. Let's do this. Let's find that. And um, yeah, that's what we've done. So we're in the process of that. And tomorrow, actually, I'm meeting with a potential business partner to do like a, a really big HMO in a neighboring town. But we just have to make sure that we don't get carried away and the figures actually make sense. So I have been working on a proposal now for about a, a week, um, looking at the figures, potential like rental values, potential, you know, resale value, if that is if that's what we had to do. So um, you know, I don't know whether we'll secure that or not, but we've learned a lot from it anyway. And, you know, it, you know, it might be something for us, it might not. But um, yeah, we're looking now at the minute for outside investment. Hmm. I mean, look, you know, separately, ask me about bridging, if you like. I've had um, some fun with bridging, I will say. And it's um, it's been useful for me. It's been very useful, um, as irritating as they are to deal with. It, <laughs> um, it When it works out, it's, oh, wow, money just there so it yeah, yeah it, it can be pretty useful so um what are you planning on doing next in property so obviously you're looking at the hmo you're you're buying the you're buying some buy to lets but you know in the next sort of year or so is there like a goal or a target so um at the minute we're building our house as well in northern ireland so um i like to kind of keep myself um challenged as much as possible so yeah we're doing that remotely um but before i go and leave this um lovely little town i want to make sure that all of this hasn't been for nothing so i'm kind of like 
building up my buy to let portfolio here so that you know really it matches my previous income that I had in Manchester um, it's a bit daunting kind of you know I kind of set myself up as a career of flipping these houses but obviously kind of keep tipping them keeping tipping all that money back in so now I'm kind of like right we need to create a portfolio that when I if I go back when I go back to Northern Ireland next year that I'm not sitting with no money you know while I kind of start all this again um, so that's basically what we're doing at so at the minute we have two that we're finishing renovating for buy to let. We've secured another rep. We secured a repossession of which we started last week, and we've secured two more um, properties which we will be renovating and letting out. So hopefully by the end of this month or the end of this year, I'll have matched my previous kind of Manchester salary, and then the other like two HMOs projects as well on top of that so that's my short-term goals plus build a house so it's kind of a busy time yeah very I mean that's that's so cool that you're building your own house like ever since I watched Grand Designs I've been like yes I'm building my own house I'm that's 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 amazing that you're doing that um and before we get to the last quickfire round is there like a resource or platform or technology or app that you just can't live without in property um I feel really uh sad saying this but it's probably Instagram Um, I know it's not very professional and like I've you know I use things now more and more like Trello and you know all these project management things but I find Instagram like the kind of like go-to source of inspiration for people who are like me um uh I feel it it's actually a bit emotional <laughs> sweet but like, yeah, I've met like loads of really like inspiring people, really like, um, I don't know, they just kind of say, yeah, you're doing a good job. So, yeah. Mm. And I think, you know, it Instagram provides us a platform that is, it is kind of, you know, as much as you say it's not professional, I think, you know, it shows the world what you're doing. And it also allows yeah. you to build a brand that, you know, like you said, has tenants, has um, purchases wanting to buy your stuff but also yeah. people being like oh hey let's meet up let's talk what are you up to um, I'm working on this and it, it I think it, it can do so much for you that I guess you know pre using Instagram we would have just thought oh that's an app for um, I don't know like just you know celebrities to post their their dinner on and stuff but actually yeah. um, it it's so so important and I know people who've raised plenty of money off of it people who've saved money off of it and just you know building a network around yeah. it um so yeah. yeah it's definitely a useful tool so uh quick fire round now so <laughs> what are the biggest three mistakes that you have made in property uh probably the first one was buying a house on a double yellow line um that was our first property and it was a nightmare to get rid of. I mean, I didn't even think of it. I was just like, yeah, the park down the street. Um, every person who came to view that was like, oh, it's on a double yellow. There's nowhere to park. Um, it took ages to sell that house. And there, and it was, you know, it was, we learned instantly, never do that again. Um, or I wouldn't say never, but, the, you know, the next time I, you know, I took the viewings on board and, uh, you know, pointed that they could park down the road and then that was fine. So, yeah, I would never do that. Um, three tips did you say or three mistakes um 
getting a fixed price from a builder to do a full renovation. Um, I've done that in the past. You think it's an easy way to kind of like manage your costs, but it's so hard to pull out off if they aren't doing it to the standard that you like or to the kind of time scales that you like. So I always kind of like phase my renovations now um, and kind of go, right, well, I, I don't get the same person who do it all now. I used to do that, but I have multiple uh, skilled tradesmen that, you know, one's in charge of plaster and one's in charge of, you know, the joinery work, one's in charge of tiling, one's in charge of plumbing. You know, I have the same kind of labourers, but um, I never go for the whole fixed price job thing. I just, I manage my own tradesmen and I um, make sure that they're just kind of doing what they should be doing and I'm not tied to anybody. Um, and probably the third biggest mistake is probably not making sure my properties are watertight. Um, I kind of get, you know, you get carried away with getting stuck in inside, but, you know, fix the leaking roof and fix the leaking cellar and fix the leaking point in because, you know, that water just keeps coming in until you get it sorted. So um, I always kind of like address those things now as quick as possible. Okay. And then what are your top three tips for people who are new in property? Um, well, if you're new or you're wanting to get started, I just say be brave. Like loads of people message me about how do you get started? How do you know if it's the right deal? I just think be brave. If you see something and you think in your heart, you, you know, you can make some money from it or you can just learn something from it. I just think be brave. If you have the finances, take a step and go for it. Um, I think like don't be afraid to experiment a wee bit with your like interior design ideas um people don't really like why it's kind of boring yeah it's safe and you know they go people go they'll just move in and they can paint it but most people don't want to paint it it scares the life out of them they don't want to like they don't and you know they don't want to plus they don't even you know a lot of first-time buyers are totally maxing themselves out to buy the house they don't have another 50 pound or 100 pound to buy paint they just want to move into something that they can put their sofa in so don't be afraid to be experiment and another top tip is make sure your server re survey ready um you know before you have your house before when you're going to market it's, it's it's really easy to kind of get um, carried away and get it on the market and get your buyer. But before that surveyor comes out, make sure you are um, survey ready and um, make sure you know what they're going to be looking for. You know, don't have your buyer coming back and wanting to renegotiate the price. You know, if you've kind of gone for broke and tried to push the highest price, don't start renegotiating, you know, thousands of pounds simply because you've missed something silly on your survey that probably only costs about £100 to fix. So um, be survey ready. That's my last top tip. Mm, amazing. Well, Sean, yeah. if people want to get a hold of you, uh, where's the best place that they should do this? Um, so I'm on Instagram probably more than I should be, but sorry, um, I'm on um, RUA Rentals. Um, we we changed our name based on the fact that we're going mostly now for rentals. So um, it's Irish for red um, after my little ginger child, um, but it's uh, Rear Rentals or they, um, they can catch me there. It's probably the best place. My You can email me from there as well. Awesome. I've learned uh, a word in Irish now. This is good. <laughs> um, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Uh, there's a lot of value here. And I think when people see your Instagram, they're going to kind of visualize what we're talking about. And I think they'll then understand more why your property sells so quickly and why they're tenanted so quickly. So yeah, thank you very much for coming on. Uh, thank you, Tej. 
If you like this podcast, connect with Tej on Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube for more great content.